You're listening to the Life Center Church Podcast. Well, it is Palm Sunday. What does that mean? Right? Open your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah, isn't it in the New Testament? Yeah, it's in the New Testament. But it has its origin in prophetic statement in Zechariah chapter 9. And I want you to see this. We're going to connect the dots this morning. But here we go, Zechariah, just a few chapters into, go backwards, go left from Matthew, and you'll go, you'll find it in there, okay? Zechariah chapter 9, and picking up, and only at this point we want to read verse 9. It says, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you! He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that this prophet, Zechariah, as he proclaimed this, he never saw it himself except through the Spirit. But there was a day you came into Jerusalem that we're going to talk about today, and I pray, God, that you'll help us all understand this because there's coming another triumphal entry that the book of Revelation talks about. Even Zechariah, a few chapters later, talks about where though you came in peace, restoring peace is what your message was the first entry. The second entry is judgment. And I pray God help us to understand that. Lord God, I pray your Holy Spirit will just take over and speak through me now. And may you be glorified, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 2,000 years ago, the Sadducees, and they, they were sad, you see, because they did not believe in the resurrection. But they had a tradition that they believed that the Messiah would show up four days before the Passover. That was their understanding as they studied the scripture. And so they kept the gates of the temple open so that he could walk right into his rightful place there within the temple. That was their belief. That was their understanding. Uh, And so because of that, there was a Jewish nationalistic fervor that it was at its peak on this day 2,000 years ago. Can you imagine the streets of Jerusalem all excited that that, that this could be the day that that our, our, our Messiah would come and rescue us? And that is the very day that, that, that Zechariah, the prophet, proclaimed about Jesus entering into Jerusalem on a donkey and fulfilling this prophecy that was spoken so many hundreds of years before Jesus even came. We're told if, if you go down the street of Jerusalem, and, and we'll just call it Hosanna Street because that was the main street in, into town. Uh, if you're coming from Bethlehem and then you go through Bethany, the road climbs a little bit over a ridge. And as you reach the crest of that, that, that road, spread out before you on the other side of, of the road, on the other side of the, val- the Kidron Valley, is a beautiful city of Jerusalem. Now, that's a more modern view of that, but that's what you would see. Now, I want you to see, because in this picture, the most dominant figure in that picture is is the Dome of the Rock. That's not a Christian uh, temple. That's, That's a Muslim Dome of the Rock. 
And the Dome of the Rock now stands right where the temple of the Lord stood. The rock inside that dome has the footings of, of the Holy of Holies. Actually, in, on that rock, it, there is even a carved outline of where it is believed, and it was the exact dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant is on that rock. The ridge that it's on was called the Mount of Olives. Two-thirds of the way down, well, let me go, go back here. Jesus went down the road on a donkey. It was a donkey that had never been ridden. I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten on a donkey that's never been ridden? He doesn't just sit there. As a child, I was about 14 years old. I was a big child. I was already my height at that age, you know. Actually, I was taller than I am now. You know how age and gravity, you know. But we went out to Palmdale. We had some family friends that had had this donkey, and they said it hasn't been broken. Nobody's ever been able to sit on the back of that donkey. Well, I, 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 was, I was a good-sized kid, so I was determined, and, and thank God I didn't get thrown. By the time I got rid of it, uh, I could honestly say I, I broke a donkey. But it was a hard ride, let me tell you. It was bumpy. And to think that this donkey allowed the Savior to ride on its, his, its back calmly and gently is an amazing thing when you think about it. Because the donkey yielded its back to its creator. Think about it for a moment. Even a dumb donkey understood it was created by God. And he willingly carried the, the, the Savior into Jerusalem. That donkey happens to be a lot like some of us uh, uh, when we came to salvation. We come used to having our own way of doing things, not knowing. And some of us aren't even as clever as this donkey because we don't recognize the Savior. We don't recognize the Creator. And we don't, need, we don't even recognize our need to yield to Him. But what an honor to be used by the Creator. Amen? creator of all things and the crowd the crowd that had witnessed Lazarus resurrection just a few days before uh, and, and and now they were shouting Hosanna Hosanna uh, which means save us now save us now uh, in the Hebrew is more like Yoshashana Hebrew, they're quoting from Psalm chapter 118, verses 25 through 29, which reads, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With, with, with bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You see, they're recreating the, the prophecy of before. Verse 28 says, you are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Hallelujah. They're saying, Jehovah, Lord, save us. 
To come in the name of the Lord is to come with authority. No, there is no authority but the authority of the Lord. He has made his light to shine on us, they declared. Jesus said he is the light of the world. Isaiah predicted the Messiah would be the light to the Gentiles. And aren't we who gather here in Lakewood in 2019 thankful the light will shine to us Gentiles? Verse 27 of that psalm predicts that, he will, that they'll come in waving boughs. Waving boughs before him on the way to the temple. Verse 28, you are my God, they declared. If only they, if only they had heard their own prophecies that they had memorized as a youth. Because they all did. Verse 29 is an incredible verse. Uh, it, 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 it's what they all sang. As a matter of fact, they, they all sang it almost every time at the Passover as, as they declared because they wanted the presence of the Lord to fill the temple. And they prayed. They sang out, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His, his love endures forever. And they didn't just say it one time. They probably sang it over and over and over again, hoping and praying that the presence of the Lord would fill the temple. By the way, we get a little annoyed when the worship leader sings that song just too many times, don't we? You know? <laughs> As the people sang, they sang this in Solomon's day, and I think they did sing it more than a few times. They prayed, oh God, fill the temple. Do you see the picture, though, this morning? Do you see the picture that's taking place? The Lord wants to, wants to fill the temple that's in you, of you. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit, my friend. He wants to fill you so that you, you don't live for yourself anymore, but you live for him the rest of your days. Hallelujah. We need to sing, he is good, and his mercy, his love endures forever until we're overflowing with his presence, just like they did. But now we have a reason, because he will fill you. Praise God. Are we welcoming his presence? Are we welcoming his presence into this temple? Often when we sing songs uh, like we did this morning, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Oh, I, I do pray that he welcome here, but I more than when I sing that, welcome here. Welcome here. Are you welcoming his presence into this temple? Are your doors open and waiting for his presence? Or do, you, do we recognize him? Or even do we recognize him when, when he comes as we gather together? And he comes humbly, just like he did into Jerusalem, humbly. Think about it. Sometimes we think it, 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 he's just our brother. He, 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 it, it, just as the passage of Scripture declares, it wasn't an ordinary day. But, but he, it is, he is king. He is king. The Jews sang in Psalm 24 about a, a generation that sought for the face of God. But by Psalm 24, verse 7, it says, Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. May come in. Be always ready for this humble king to enter in and make his way into 
even when we least expect it. The welcoming crowd shouted in Luke's gospel, which is a familiar gospel that we, we, we look at at this time of the year, 19 verse 38. He says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This was a very dangerous thing to be experiencing at that time, at that moment. You see, the Pharisees and all the religious zealots of that day knew that verse in Zechariah. They knew about the king coming as a donkey and were aware of the watchful eye of Rome upon the city because it was a powder keg. matter of fact they asked jesus quiet them down get them quiet but jesus told them if i quiet them down even the rocks will cry out that's the glory of the lord that the rocks would even cry out because Jesus was familiar with the prophecy too. He, he, he saw the command to, in one translation, uh, uh, rejoice, O daughters of Zion. That's how it says it in Zechariah 9 9. But, but the, he, he, he knew they were to shout, and he knew it would be fulfilled with or without people. Because <laughs> even the rocks are going to cry out. Amen? Our culture is, is, is fascinated with prophecies. If you don't, if you don't believe that, go 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 grocery shopping. Look at the, the magazines that are in the stands. Look, look at look at as you're sitting there waiting for the next person to get in. You're three people deep, and 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 every, every so often, all these magazines, if you can call them magazines, have these prophecies, right? These prophecies it makes me laugh sometimes. They're always proclaiming some hidden prophecy is found by some secret code and has helped us understand some ancient truths out there. What is amazing to me that year after year after year, those prophecies never come about. You see, the Bible has never been wrong. Hallelujah. The Bible's never been wrong. Its prophecies are accurate to every detail. Praise his name. It tells us that, that what is coming in detail. And yet those people, uh, those pe people, people never pick up their Bibles to read what is coming and what has taken place. This is the prophecy about the Lord entering into Jerusalem. And it's an amazing detail given in Zechariah hundreds of years before it even happened. Rejoice. The sisters of Lazarus, oh, they, they were rejoicing, right? Because they had just days before experienced the resurrection of their brother. They were rejoicing. Praise God. The women that followed Jesus all along the way, there was always these faithful ladies that followed him wherever he went. They were rejoicing because now he's finally taking his rightful place. They were rejoicing. They're rejoicing because they loved God and because they had been forgiven. In ancient Israel, a shout was given up and lifted up as an army went into battle. But here's this ragtag little army marching into Jerusalem. But they're not led by a mighty general. They're led by the Prince of Peace on a donkey. Hallelujah. And they lift up praise, a shout of praise. He came as the righteous one, 
how many can be said to, to have entered Jerusalem in righteousness? Even going forward in the, in, in, in the days ahead, who's going to be entering into Jerusalem in righteousness? And, and the next words are powerful. Having salvation. Who's going to come having salvation but Jesus alone, right? Jesus came offering peace with God. Not peace in the land, but peace with God. Jesus came offering peace. He came in peace to give people peace. They preferred salvation from taxation. Jesus came giving salvation for their souls. And so in the day, a few days that they would prefer, because they didn't quite understand in, in just four days, who should we let go? Give us Barabbas, they would shout four days later. Give us Barabbas. Jesus could see that was their mindset. And so in the mindset of praise and with people waving these palm branches like a national flag, Jesus looked upon Jerusalem, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Because he saw what was in their hearts. And in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 44, it says this, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. They couldn't see. Peace was not a new king coming, coming to war against the Romans. It, it was a king that would offer them peace with God. That's, that's what the, the prophecy was all about. Jesus could see that their desire was to have an earthly king that would, would, would bring about, uh, the, be the, but the, to have an earthly king was going to bring their destruction. If they received salvation that Jesus offered, they would have not had revolted against Rome. Because to revolt against Rome was then to be destroyed. Maybe even crucified fiction for thousands. I want to stop here and ask if Jesus weeps for you this morning. Because he sees the choices you've been trying to make and find peace in all other things but him. Because that's what happens in our world. He sees the devastation that some of those choices are going to make. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but down the road if you're choosing anything else but Him, destruction will come. Don't be like Jerusalem. Receive His peace this morning. Not just peace for the day, peace for all eternity. Hallelujah. Don't be like them. Receive Jesus. Recognize only your Creator knows what will truly fill your emptiness it is not the things he made but his very life that he's given for you look at the last part of this amazing prophecy gentle and riding on a donkey this is how the lord comes to you today he comes as a gentleman gently knocking on the heart the door of your heart right and get this, he only enters because of invitation. Come on in, Lord. Right? I'm amazed at his patience, aren't you? <laughs> Some of the current songwriters use words like his fierce love. 
You know, and some of the older folks say, why do they use such ugly and horrible words? You know what? When you think about how far his love has gone for some of us to get saved, it's tenacious love. It's fierce love. It's love that goes all the way. That's the kind of love that he reaches out to us with even today. It, breaks, it should break our hearts that, that he's so persistent and yet so gentle. The Romans don't seem to have been too concerned, though, because after all, they didn't even draw their swords. You can read it. that No one drew, drew their sword that day. Why? When the ancient kings of Judah, from whom Joseph and Mary were descendants, came into a town on a donkey, it only meant one thing. I come in peace. That's what that meant. The town could relax. The people could prepare to welcome him. But if they came on a war horse, that was a different story. If they came with a war horse, that was, that, that, that's all everybody on alert. But the time for Jesus to humbly come in gentleness and offer himself was this prophecy. And Psalm 118 has been fulfilled in amazing detail. But there's another portion of scripture I want you to look at. Look at Zechariah, a few chapters over to chapter 14. Pick up at verse 2. I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses looted, and the women raped. Half the population will be taken into captivity, and the rest will be left among the ruins of the city. Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he has fought in times past. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Did you see that dome there? His feet will stand on that Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. And, uh, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. You will flee through that valley, for it will reach across to Azal. Yes, you will flee as you did from the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah of Judah. Then the Lord... My God will come and all his holy ones with him. Hallelujah is right. That's a tri triumphant entry. Hallelujah. That's one with the king of all glory coming in. The day is coming when the armies will surround Jerusalem. At that time, Jerusalem will fall and half the people will be removed. But then the Lord himself will fight against those nations that have taken Jerusalem. Look with me in more detail in, in Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 19. If you want more of this, you need to come to Pastor Andy's Sunday school class or learning hour class. Verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. 
for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on them, on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his, uh, at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Hallelujah. Now the king of Judah comes on a war horse. No more gentle Jesus, for the time of justice will come. What kind of God would it be if he never held man to an account? What kind? If he never executed justice upon the wicked? Man cries out now when a Hitler or Saddam or, or any of those others that have done atrocities to this world, how this is going on, uh, uh, how this is being allowed, and they cry out, where is God in all of this? They ask when thousands are killed, all rebellion of God, against God will be required to face justice when that, this day comes. When this day comes, no one is going to ask, where is God? No one is going to ask, where is God? Because, of course, even the wicked, even the wicked are, might even say that, where is God? But the, the, my friend, he is right. He is right there. Just as he is right here. Thank God he's riding on a donkey now. Amen. Amen. He's riding on a donkey asking you to realize that the route that maybe you're on today will lead to destruction. But the day of the Lord is coming when it will be too late to those who have ignored his pleading for all, all their life. As the armies of the world will root Jerusalem, he will descend from heaven on his war stallion. And the saints of God will follow him in their white robes and into battle. Apparently, he will dismount on the Mount of Olives as Zechariah has preached. And he will execute justice upon the earth for he is faithful and true. He would not be faithful and true if he did not punish the wicked and refuse them, refuse to turn from their rebelliousness against God. It is total justice that he brings justice and makes war against the enemies of God. He is the word of God. That's what John called him in the revelation, right? John received this revelation, and it was John who had written in the gospels, in the gospel, the word became flesh and lived among us. The reign of the Messiah of the earth, as ruler of the earth, will begin. It was what the religious leaders were longing for before and hoped for in his first coming. At least a limited form of that. Some position of power they longed for. But it is not the powerful that will reign it 
his side. Think about that. When he comes again, it will not be the powerful that will reign at his side. For the Bible says, the meek shall inherit the earth. Amen? At the second triumphal entry, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Then everyone will know that he is the king of all kings and lord of all lords. Jesus told the Pharisees that the day, the day that they too would utter those same words in Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If we jump back to Zechariah chapter 14. Look with me starting at verse 5. Well, we pick up after reaching across to Azil. Yes, you will flee as you did from the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah of Judah. Then the Lord, my God, will come and all his holy ones with him. On that day, the sources of light will no longer shine, yet there will be continuous day. Only the Lord knows how this could happen. There will be no normal day and night, for at evening time it will still be light. On that day, life-giving waters will flow out from Jerusalem, half toward the Dead Sea and half toward the Mediterranean, flowing continuously in both summer and winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. Hallelujah. Just as the first prophecy was fulfilled, you can bet your bottom dollar this one's going to be fulfilled. It's going to happen in every detail we've read this morning. He will reign as king over the earth and execute justice and judgment upon the world. I would like to, us to consider the path the majority of the Jews chose. They wanted a fulfillment of the prophecies that met their personal desires for power and position. They wanted a, a real Messiah uh, a, a Messiah of their own making for their own purposes. The real Messiah had never made his triumphal entry into their hearts. Gentle Jesus still offers salvation to all of us, even here this morning or watching on the internet. He offers salvation to us. That's the Messiah, what the Messiah has come for. He will not take second place in my life or in your life. He's got to be first in our lives. He will not make you give them up, though. He just continues to offer himself to you and wait for you to offer yourself to him. One day, though, it will be too late. We see the focus of the world will turn to Jerusalem. Even, even today, all focus is on Jerusalem. Peace will come, but will suddenly be broken there in Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be taken by all these armies from different nations will come. But then the Lord will come with his holy ones with him. Will you be with him on that day when he returns? Or will you be one of those wishing, wishing you did not lost, let false messiahs and a pleasure and world satisfaction keep you from letting the king Reign in your life. Palm Sunday. 
the ones shouted, Yoshoshana will be shouting, crucify him in four days. Because he did not do what they wanted him to do. They wanted him to fulfill their expectations, not to be Lord of their lives. Where do you stand today? Where do you stand? Total surrender to his lordship? Or expecting him to fulfill your expectations? Yashashana, save us now. Not from Rome, but from our own misguided desires. If he reigns in you now, he will reign in you then. Hallelujah. Where, where, you will be, where will you be in that second triumphal entry? If It all depends on you if you allow him to be Lord of your life and enter your heart. With every eye closed and every head bowed, there's coming a day. But while there is yet time, he, he, the, the king of all peace comes to offer you peace with God. To fulfill your life in ways that nothing else will. I want you to think hard and long, friend. You have, may have been coming to church for many years, or maybe this is your very first time. You may have watched a lot of preachers on, on, on TV and on the radio, but you've never made the commitment to him. This morning you can. This morning he offers himself to you as the Lord of peace, the righteous, wonderful Savior, wants to give you his righteousness. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, nobody looking around, is there anybody here that say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus. I want him now in my life. I don't want to wait till there's judgment coming. Is there anybody? Just lift your hand if there's anybody. Next week I'm believing there's going to be there's somebody's going to raise their hand. <laughs> but this morning if you can't raise your hand that means all is well with you. All is well with you. You're, you're prepared and ready to come in, in, in a white robe with Jesus one day. Hallelujah. So, Lord, as we, if we are secure in our salvation, then we can shout, not like those on that Palm Sunday so many years ago. <laughs> no. We can shout because we're not going to let a, a rock out shout us. Hallelujah. We can shout because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We can shout because our, our, our eternity is made secure in Jesus. We can shout because we were once dead and now we're alive. We were once blind, but now we see. Hallelujah. On this Palm Sunday, I may not have a palm branch in my hand away. But I can lift my hands and wave them to the King of all glory, the righteous King who will one day judge this world. But today, Lord, today, may I 
I am surrendered unto you for in this day and forevermore. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Will you stand with me and let's praise him together. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us. For more information on Life Center Church and our ministries, visit lifecenterchurch.com.